Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Dope Black Podcast. You're listening to the Dope Black Dads podcast. I'm Marcus Ramtal, and today I'm joined by Isaac Oranyau. And Isaac is a Togolese British dance and writing based multidisciplinary artist and freelance journalist. He creates empathetic and thought provoking work rooted in magical realism and African futurism with a focus on themes of childhood, memory, and mental health. I'm very excited for this episode today. Another creative joining us. Uh, welcome to you, Isaac. Hi, Marcus. Happy to be here. Awesome. So uh, the copy I've got in front of me has so many kind of facets to what you do, achievements um, with with what you've put on stage and in, in writing. Um, for those who won't know you, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, I always dread this question. Um, so, yeah, as my... Um biography or introduction has said I am a multidisciplinary artist and freelance journalist and in my artistry I work with text and dance so that comes in the form of script writing and poetry um, performing both on stage and and at times on paper as well um, and as a dancer I perform mostly in dance theatre and physical theatre um, that's been the case since 2015 when I went quote-unquote professional Um, and I'm also a freelance journalist so I studied journalism at uh, Canterbury Christchurch so I'm a trained journalist and I've been writing again mainly in the artistic and theatre industry so I review I'm a critic and I write for different publications whenever and wherever um, I'm needed really yeah Awesome. So we've got a theatre critic here, so I need to be really kind to him in case he ever comes <laughs> to review one of my shows. Did you do much children's theatre at all, Isaac? Uh, no, I don't actually. No, I tend to focus on dance. Um, yeah, that's my expertise and niche. Well, if anybody knows my, my professional career very well, then they'll know you'll definitely not see me anywhere near dance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> The dance calls and anything I've done have been, um, well, not fun, not fun. Right. Um, <laughs> actually, I was, I was going to ask you about uh, some of your work, but actually, now that I've mentioned that, um, a big part of what what I've read about you is, is this idea of using art as uh, a mode of self care, as a way of looking after your mental health. And what struck me was um, when I think about myself. 
think, oh my gosh, I can't dance, I can't paint, I can't write poetry. Is this really for me? Uh, speak to us a bit about kind of your interpretation of, of how art can help with, with your self-care. And if you feel like me, that you can't dance and you can't write, what what you should be kind of, a, how you should be approaching this? Oh, um, that is a hard question to answer. Um, I mean, I, I try to talk from myself and about myself first, and then I think that opens up for dialogue with other people and how they can connect with things. Um, so a lot of my understanding of mental health and trauma is based in it being somatic, being embodied. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of um, Bessel van der Kolk's uh, book on um, trauma, which is called The Body Keeps the Score, uh, which is essentially most traumatic experiences are held within the body and aren't just intellectualized or based in memory. So your body does have a certain amount of tension it holds from traumatic experiences, whether that's based in different types of trauma or mental illness. Um, so for me, it marries up so well with my practice of dance because dance uses the body to release and it can be verbal or it can be non-verbal. And I think that's beauty of, of, of dance because with theater and physical theater as well, you have text, which you can use with your body to physicalize things um, or, you know, just get rid of text. What, um, uh, just get rid of text in totality and just use your body. Um, so in terms of self-care, sometimes I need to write things down and sometimes I need to use my body to move. And that doesn't necessarily mean dance. I know sometimes when I talk to this about some, uh, with some people, all they imagine is, is like this interpretive dance of, oh, I feel really sad, so I'm just going to move around. It'd be all <laughs> airy-fairy, but there's something so interesting about anger being expressed through tension and sadness being expressed like expressed through releasing the muscles and something so intricate does help um the body release and with that release you do feel feel your mental health ameliorate and improve um i think that's why different practice exists that's why people go to the gym sometimes when they have certain mental illness or uh, sorry certain health stresses or mental health stresses mm. or do yoga or things like that there is a huge practice outside of, you know, the the European scope about how to use the body to release tension or for self-care. But I think that's where my understanding is rooted in. Um, so for me, um, self-care is embedded in that. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So again, it's kind of acknowledging that it's not a this will always be a great thing that works all the time. Sometimes I just need to write. Sometimes I just need to move. Sometimes I need to work and I need another form of self-expression or self-care or care in general. But I think as an individual, those two practices in terms of writing and physicalizing things for me are the best way to, yeah, express myself. I don't know if I answer the question, but I'm trying to because there was a no. lot of layers laid, <laughs> loaded into that. Um, yeah, sorry to hit you with that right off the bat, but that, that really <laughs> resonates actually, because um, you know, I opened my question by saying, I really can't dance, I really can't paint. My wife was a dancer and is very artistic, um, but I definitely find a lot of release by working out or going running or um, even just sitting down with, with my instrument and, and playing 
for no real reason. Um, and it's interesting because my, my job requires me to learn music and play songs for work. And it's very rare now that I sit down and just play for, for the sake of it. And it is a real different kind of energy and it's a real release to, to have that. And I know uh, my father-in-law has always said, um, you know, encourage music around the house because even if the kids don't follow that path, at least they'll have something that will be a release for them. Whatever they do, they can just go, oh, do you know what, one day I'm feeling that I just sit down at the piano and I play. Um, and even now my oldest is 10 and she will sit down at the piano and just just for the sake of it and just play yeah. and it's lovely. Yeah. You said something really important there I've been trying to tap into as of late, which is you do it for work. And I think we naturally graduate, grad, like, gravitate towards things that help us artistically and then have the i don't know if it's a pull to to make it something you can earn from or like a side hustle or the main job like even for me dance i started dancing because of trying to communicate so i'm, I'm togolese which is a nationally french-speaking country and i have my own native tongue as well so when i came here as a migrant at the age of 10 I could not speak a word of English wow. and kind of like being yeah moving around London and not understanding or speaking the language is so it's so alienating and the one thing I gravitated towards was dance and then later on in life it became a job and then the more you do the job the less of that connection you have with it of just using it just for just because like you just said you know because you do the work, you're you're employed to, to write or perform music, you barely go back to it for that thing that I'm sure called to you in the first place, which is like that self-expression. Um, so another reason why I bring this up is because for me, self-care has become really important and trying to find hobbies which remain hobbies and not something I'm like, oh, how can I monetize this down the road? How can I make? And I know there is cost of living and poverty and things like that which make it very easy to find any and any means to make money because they're all trying to survive but i think for mm. mental health for physical health and for self-care purposes just finding a hobby you can do and know i don't need to stress about a deadline i don't need to stress about submitting this i don't need to stress about making money from this i just need to do this for me and i think we're losing that a lot nowadays and i think it's so important to tap back into that art for the sake of yeah. self-expression yeah. for the sake of self-expression and self-care rather than i'm getting good at this how can i make more money out of this <laughs> which is understandable but i think there's yeah. also a need to have hobbies for that i think that really really resonates on another level for me as well just thinking i did a, a talk a couple of months ago for black history month and um it was where i used to work in public libraries i spent 20 years working in public libraries so i love literature books and, and what that institution stands for as well and uh, at the end of the talk someone said oh you should write a book <laughs> I said I have absolutely no intention of writing a book and the reason is I mean you never say never but the reason is I love reading so much and I love music so much but when I started to learn how to play and read and kind of get that other layer of music I kind of fell out of love with a lot of what I loved before and kind of fallen back in love with it. And I was like, oh, I can't do that with, with writing as well. Um, so I've not gone near it, but I like the idea of maybe going near just for the sake of doing it rather than, oh, I've got to write a book or I've got to do this. Um, 
and even just playing original music with, with my old band that I spent many, many years with. I think the, the first, the maybe first five or six years of that project were just, we've got nothing to prove. We've got, you know, we're, we're living at home with our parents and we're, we're playing our songs the way we want to play them to an audience that likes them. And as we got older, it was like, Oh, what's what's uh, what's going on in the charts? Oh, maybe we should start structuring songs this way, and maybe we should start to do this. And and I remember really falling out of love with music at that point, and being just in a real funk with it as well. It was quite yeah. depressing, just going, "Oh, do you know what? What are we doing this for?" And subsequently rethinking that, coming back to music, and just going, "Hey, look." We don't need to make it. We just need to enjoy it again and really feeling the pleasure of that again. Yeah, 100%. And I, th- I think on that level, it's also so important to do that. Because I think for me, the great, the greatest artists or even my peers that I really admire are those that are able to just do because they want to or because they want to share something and not be taken in by the grind so to speak mm-hmm. but also acknowledging the need and necessity for that you know we still need to exist and and live day to day so not making the money making or the oh, i want to make it kind of um mentality the primary thing it can be a secondary thing but as long as the main things is what called you to that art form or to that way of self-expression i think that's what's important to hold on to um so yeah, I guess, I guess that goes hand in hand with just finding a hobby and finding art for art's sake. But also, if it does come to that, knowing to keep that as the primary rather than, yeah, let life kind of take over and mean you just need to monetize everything. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, and they say that, don't they? The, the, the kind of the internet gurus who are, you know, encouraging people to find their their side hustle they're like well just do what you love first and, and see where that takes you yeah. um, but the, the idea of actually keeping that thing completely separate and for you and for your mental health is is really inspiring something to to really kind of take home and go actually this this is not this is sacred ground this is for me and this is for, for me to kind of do um, I say for me, I mean, I love sharing art and music with my kids and sharing that with my family, but the idea of not having to monetize it, I suppose, is, yeah. is the, um, the real key thing. But of course, you have a career in the yeah. arts, an incredible career in the arts. Um, and I've, I've recently been checking out what you've been doing with, with Black Boy Joy Gone. So tell us a bit more about that. Sure. Um, so hashtag Black Boy Joy Gone, it's kind of pulling on the hashtag that is kind of popular, you know, celebrating black joy despite trauma, despite pain, and because of trauma, because of pain and even mental illness. So that idea was first going to be an art film where I was just going to use poetry and dance to express my own lived experience of, of sexual trauma, uh, childhood sexual trauma and mental illness, um, uh, which is mainly depression and anxiety. Um, and then my lived experience of family, as well having psychosis and schizophrenia so mental illness has been in the family and it was just one way of me to express myself um so i wrote a poem and then i wrote another poem and before i knew it i had about 10 poems um and i wanted to physicalize this i approached a filmmaker called ashley Carell, who's based in 
Leeds um, and I worked with him on a different dance project. He was filming a dance project uh, by an artist called um, Akeem Toussambuk called Beat Motion. Um, and this was, I believe, in 2018, 2019. Um, and then from then on, it was his idea to kind of introduce a documentary aspect to kind of just not make it just about me, but use my experience as a way to bridge conversation with other black men who might have gone through something similar or going through their own um, experiences. Um, so from then on, we just kind of worked together for the past two years, actually, on this uh, film, which became a documentary hybrid art film using dance, poetry and um, traditional kind of interviewing format of speaking to participants and collaborators um, for this. So my own story I spoke about in the film yeah, involved childhood sexual abuse, how I coped with that, how I didn't cope with that and kind of had some form of pseudo amnesia where your kind of mind just blocks off the trauma. And then it was a distinct smell when I was in university, I was on my way home. I talk about this in the documentary. Uh, I was on my way home and a certain smell just triggered the memory and I pretty much collapsed in the middle of the road. And it's from then on that I, I kind of sought help and I realized, yeah, I needed to face this. And how do I face this? You know, using therapy, some worked, some didn't. So I turned to my own practice of dance and, and writing and that was quite therapeutic for me. Um, and yeah, so the film is pretty much about capturing how difficult it is to for black men um, and black young men to navigate one mental illness or trauma alone to navigating it um, with kind of friends and family in mind. You know, do I tell them? Do I not? Do I keep them safe from this truth? Because this truth could could be harmful to kind of like the status quo. Um, and then three, how black men navigate the mental health system, whether it's, you know, um, therapy or counselling or actual uh, wards, you know, mental health wards, treatment, things like that. So with that in mind, we spoke to seven black men who had different experiences of psychosis, schizophrenia, um, depression, uh, you know, racism caused trauma, a lot of different experiences and they were all quite young, I'm sorry, different ages. We had the youngest was 12 and then the oldest was 75 who um, sadly passed away because of COVID. Um, but those different experiences were so rich because you never see someone that old talk about their whole experience because yeah. mental health kind of only became so much in the national consciousness in the last decade. So what is it like for someone who's in you know, um, palliative care in the 70s, having experienced that as a black man when, you know, that level of racialization and abuse in the mental health care system was at its peak, um, you know, in the 70s and 80s. Um, so that experience was really great to hear. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty much just about bringing all of these men together and then sharing my experience and hearing their experiences and kind of just learning off of each other. You know, how do you resonate? How do you resonate with each other you know and this film wasn't about the trauma itself we didn't really want to create a film about um trauma porn or kind of just isolate the person for their illness for their lived experience but about seeing the person behind it and you know how do you cope with this day to day what are your turn to's is it art is it music is it family is it friends you know is it your support system um you know how do you overcome 
or how do you live with you know um your mental illness and it was kind of about highlighting the humanity behind it um and that was why we made the film so it kind of started from my own experience and wanting to to share that and express that in a way and it just became this beautiful thing that connected different men from of different ages across the nation you know we spoke to people from london birmingham hull warwick you know all up and down the country um so it was really 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 fruitful experience um yeah so that's how that film came about and that's where we are right now with it uh, i saw it's it's being uh shown uh, at various kind of um film i can't think of the word now lost for festivals. words festivals yeah. thank you very much okay. <laughs> um and I, I just um i'm absolutely astounded and, and full of admiration for just putting that out there putting your lived experience out there for for everyone to kind of learn from and navigate and you mentioned that it was also for your own benefit as well how easy was it to to kind of make that decision that you were going to share this the hardest thing i've ever done <laughs> the hardest thing i've ever done but i need i know i know i need, needed to do it i knew i needed to do it and i needed to do it because I got into the point I did of my mental breakdown because I didn't share because I didn't face it. Um so how do I face it? Um and I uh, it was quite hard to share and even in the filmmaking process um it took a lot of my co-director Ashley Carell um to kind of get that out of me because there was still a level of it's not hiding it's exposing everything you know you yeah. still want to keep yourself safe and there is a line and i'm so aware of like crossing that line of oversharing or kind of burdening others but this process was about letting go of that not letting go of a boundary of i don't want to share too much but knowing i i i'm in a safe space enough to share as much as i need and that i can trust my instincts to stop when i need to not stop preemptively in case of fear or you know I, I don't I don't want to affect this person I don't want to affect that person it was more about how much do I need to get out of me because I didn't get it out of me that's why my body reacted the way it did and collapsed on the middle of the street in needed release verbally and physically um so with Ashley it was a difficult process but because we have a good working relationship we got there in the end where the more I was able to open up the f- more fruitful the process was as well and that the interesting way we did it is we spoke to the collaborators first so we spoke to all seven black men first and kind of hearing their stories also helped me open up more because i was the one interviewing them so it, it became a conversation jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Where they spoke, I spoke, and we kind of shared and we were on the same page. So when it came back to me kind of sharing my full story, it was about how much justice do I want to give to myself, you know, in opening up about this. So it was quite hard, um, and it still is, to be honest. Um, my family has seen it and they have not known about this ever. And kind of navigating that has been its own testing thing. Um, but I also know I would not have done this if I didn't acquire or gain the tools to be able to cope with how other people, friends and family close to me will react to this. Because if I was still in a vulnerable state, it would be very hard to deal with their reaction, be it good or bad or kind of you know shutting down or completely engaging with it. And it was through the process of some of therapy for me therapy hasn't didn't completely help me but some forms of therapy and mainly artistic self-expression that i was able to gain the tools to you know whatever happens when i put it out there i know i'll be able to cope with it and that's what made it an easier experience it was still quite hard because i'm a black man i'm very much aware of the let's just call it learnings and indoctrinations I have around the stigmas of mental health, let alone abuse, let alone sexual abuse for, you know, what that means for masculinity and black masculinity, especially when black masculinity is so hype, is made hyper aware in society. You know, you're so hyper aware of what that means in nearly all spaces you you navigate in, you know, um, so yeah even dealing with those things was quite tricky but doing it as a collective doing it in the form of like a brotherhood almost with the the collaborators made it much much easier to cope with um so it was a it was a tough experience and it still is but it's been made easier by the approach myself and ashley had with the filmmaking process and my own understanding of the tools i have to cope within myself because sometimes you might rely on people and they might not be able to meet your needs the way you need them to. Um, and I'm so aware of that. And I know a lot of people are as well when they have mental illnesses. So it's kind of how astute, how strong and rooted am I in kind of being able to deal with sharing of this kind of deep personal experience. Yeah. And and um, you're in, you're hopefully in the right place with the Dope Black Dads podcast, because a lot of our conversations are around those those ideas around, as you say, black masculinity and, and what it means, and what in our in our main work, I suppose, what fatherhood means in in mm. um, the modern era, and you know, different tropes or expectations and and things like that. I'm, I'm curious um, with your your fellow kind of um, protagonists, for want of the better better phrase from from the the film. 
how, and I can't speak for them, how they found the experience. Because obviously it's a similar boat where they're having to kind of share all this stuff. Is is there a level of catharsis or is it more of, you know, this needs to be told because people need to hear this? Um, It's a mixture of both. Um, so two of the participants I know from um, the Mind Charity so we're, we're all in the um, Young Black Men Steering Group for Mind and it's more of that approach of this needs to be shared. So they're already in a space of, for lack of better words, activism or at least wanting to do something about mental health with their own lived experiences. Um, and they're both, they both feature in the film, of course. Um, and for them, yeah, it's a way of this needs to be said. I want to say it. I want to say my lived experience um, and I want that to help other people you know it's that simple um and i will always gravitate towards winston who's the um the elder gentleman that that passed away because again it, it's it was so it was such a breath of fresh air to see one a caribbean jamaican elder man like black man speak so candidly about mental health because there's so much i you know as a young person can learn from but for him himself to kind of express that in the film, you know, the more he, the more he engaged with art in his art group, the more he opened up and the more he opened up, the more others around him kind of opened up as well. And it ended up being such a beautiful, beautiful therapeutic process. So yeah, there is a huge element of catharsis and this film was made with that in mind and not catharsis for the sake of, Oh, we're all cured now. You know, we, we have experienced enlightenment. We're great, but more of catharsis being a process that happens psychically the same way mental illness and, you know, your downs happen psychically. Because uh, again, with the, the name of the film, hashtag Black Boy Joy gone is about understanding what it means when joy is there and when it is when it's gone. You know, joy comes, it's fleeting, you experience it and then your mental health flows come, you experience it and then maybe you're back to joy or maybe you're somewhere in between and then you know life is like that mental illness is like that it's not just a constant space it lifts as it ebb and flows so it's kind of giving space for their like their experiences to, to you know to attest to that and they were all very open about about their experiences about you know it being a, a catharsis but it being a thing that you live with day to day and you learn to cope with day to day and I think that's the beauty of the film where we don't completely isolate trauma and mental illness as you know this is my painful experience I want people to hear about it but this is my painful experience and this is how I'm managing it and this is how I'm managing it as a human being as a black man in this in this health system in this society this is how I'm overcoming it and this is how I'm also failing at it so it's kind of having an you know a 360 3d kind of view of this person and not just oh this is another statistic here's a black man experienced psychosis here's his experience you need to hear about it learn from it okay let's move on it's so so much more than that there's still a human being behind this experience and with each person we spoke to they definitely resonate with that messaging they, they made that message what it is in the film yeah i think it's um really interesting to hear as well about um that that experience that uh, a black man has in 
the the system, the mental health system at the moment, uh, and and how you're working with Mind at the moment. Tell us a bit more about your work with with the uh, with Mind and the steering group, and how you got involved, how long it's been going, what kinds of things are you guys looking at at the moment? Sure. Um, so with the steering group, originally was to consult on um, a few um, kind of. Um, programs mine wanted to create specifically targeting young black men so a younger demographic and as the as um, the group evolved over time um, oh when was I involved in 2019 after a piece I did called um, Father Figurine which is another play I wrote for a dance company I was working with and performing for called Body Politic which is a kind of hip-hop theatre not kind of it is <laughs> a hip-hop theatre company um, so I made that piece kind of talking about black fatherhood and, and kind of like that father-son relationship when both both of the characters are experiencing, you know, different mental illnesses. So how do they communicate or not communicate? You know, how is so much said in the silences? How do bodies react to each other when the words fail them kind of thing? And from then on, um, the the lead of the steering group at the time who's moved on from the role um, Shamil kind of approached uh, the company and got my details from there and then I was involved in the steering group we've had several meetings kind of consulting on different programs um, but at this point we've kind of become semi-autonomous where we're able to put forward our own projects and take a lead on them um, benefiting our, our own demographic and it's been that way for this year um, and we'll see how that moves on next year um, wow. which is yeah um, an interesting model um, I mean a lot is changing at the moment with Mind so we're reviewing that next year but yeah um, so that's how I was able to secure part of funding for the Hashtag Blood Boy Join project as, as a whole both the film and what we're aiming to do with it in our next phase which is to commission 10 black men trans men and trans mask men um, to artists to respond to the film and then bring all of their responses together for kind of a night, whether in in a film theater or at a theater, uh, sorry, in a film cinema or at a theater to kind of make it its own body of work in an evening, whether it's, you know, poetry, uh, dance or another film, kind of having these artistic responses kind of in conversation with the film and then bring that forward into an evening of, of yeah, an evening of a performance. So that's the next stage. Um, wow. Yeah, um, and I realise I've kind of digressed a bit. What was the original question? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was it was around uh, what your what the steering group is doing with yeah mine, with mine has been doing with mine. Yeah, but so mine has been. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it is because it's re it's relevant because mine has been supporting that um, financially as well. Um, so we're able to secure funds for that. Um, so kind of mine has been helping myself and the other members of the group. Uh, well, kind of, yeah, supporting us financially and then letting our own ideas and and projects kind of take the lead in their um, remit of becoming anti-racist and specifically targeting young black men as um, as a demographic needing specific attention in terms of mental illness and uh, healthcare treatment. And we we have talked briefly around kind of stereotypes, I suppose, around kind of black masculinity. Um, as you're now looking to target young black men and discuss mental health, what kind of barriers are you facing or 
surprises that aren't barriers? How is that work going in, in that sphere at the moment? Um, I wouldn't say we're facing any barriers um, purely because the barriers that mental health care systems face, we've been very, very aware of as, you know, people with lived experience and as people who have gained or tried to access treatment in the mental, in the health care, uh, mental health care, sorry, system. Um, so for us, it's pretty much about speaking to people as they are, as we've tried to do in that film and then as the others are doing their own projects. Um, so one of the guys, um, Niall Sims, is focusing on football. So he goes to different academies and then through coaching, sports coaching, speaks to, you know, young footballers about one, you know, their dreams of making as footballers and, you know, the harsh reality of the low percentage of footballers that make it and what that, how that impacts mental health and how he's able to kind of put that in his program and speak to young men is kind of his approach in, in his own training. So he's doing a PhD, I believe, at Leicester. Um, to kind of compound that into research. Um, so there is also an academic approach to that as well. Um, I did, um, I just finished my master's in creative arts and mental health, which is kind of looking at the crossover of artistic practices and how they help with mental health care. And again, kind of using the academic approach to, you know, to help support the lived experience. Because time and time again, we found that a lot of um, charities, actually mental health charities, use academic research first and not lived experiences so you're right. treating statistics as the be it end all of things and then you're treating people you go to in communities as numbers and i think that's where the term hard to reach comes from because you know we're, we're not hard to reach we're here we're trying to access healthcare mental health care systems and it's not working for us so in terms of barriers we're always aware of that and that's how we've approached different different um things with our projects so with us it's about going to people where they're the safest we did that for the film we went to their safe space whether that be in their homes or community centers or gyms you know where do you film the most safe and we'll talk to you there or we'll try and have a form of conversation there um so that that's kind of the approach and also being who we are two black men behind the film or you know young black men in the steering group also helps you know we're not we're not people disassociated with these experiences we have them ourselves and even if that doesn't do a lot in kind of spoken um what's the word um in like a verbal creating a verbal relationship it, it says so much subconsciously you know we have similarities even if the way we grew up might be different we do have similarities in accessing mental health care system as black men, as young black men. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there will be hurdles. I'm not sure where they are. When they come, we'll approach them as we always have been, treating people we're speaking to as collaborators, as, yeah, in the form of, again, a brotherhood. You know, we're, we're not, you're not here to be mined. Like, you're not, what's it called? We, we use the word like trauma mining, where you're just there and we're here to get your experience out of you and then we leave because great we have everything we need it's not about that again it's about the human behind the experience it's about the human with the experience so treating people as they are in their space is so important rather than you know yeah. just blind call outs you know looking for young black men for research that there's always a barrier created 
even if it's not intended. So we're putting lived experience first and using academic research to support that and letting lived experience fill in most of the gaps and not academic research. Uh, I'm not sure what other hurdles there will be, but we will approach them as they come. Yeah. But I mean, the, the approach itself um, sounds incredible. And I think back to my work in, in frontline service delivery in, in local authorities and the last kind of big piece of work uh, that, that I've been doing um, has been around rethinking how we approach um, residents who are in a lot of need. You mentioned the you know, cost of living crisis and um, there's, there's a, an awful lot of, of support that's being delivered out of public libraries and has been for years. Um, and this piece of work particularly is, is around not being so prescriptive not saying, oh, this person's come through the door, they've got this, 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 this is how we fix it with this, 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 this. And actually, you know, having that conversation with that person and learning about what their experience is and actually what they want, not necessarily yeah. like, well, you've told me this, so I'm going to give you that. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really hard. Um, but I think certainly the right approach, if you really truly want to to make a difference and, and, and make that change happen and, and just be there be useful rather than you're just there to kind of tick the box or signpost to the next thing um and it sounds like it's it's really working for you that you mentioned you haven't had many barriers yet um but when you approach them you kind of know what what you're going to do and how you're going to face them i think that's really important yeah yeah 100 percent um again i mean we all just wanted to be treated as humans and the main feedback in these academic research is about, you know, black men experiencing uh, racist and discriminatory healthcare system is being treated as non-human, <laughs> you know, being racialized as violent, as, you know, needing a certain level of um, medication, you know, over black men are over-medicated when it comes to treatment. They're treated as the most violent thing. So a lot of force is used um, over-policed as well when it comes to treatment. So the best thing you can do is just meet someone as they are and speak to them as they are, rather with with any, um, you know, subconscious or even conscious bias or, you know, stereotypes or even um, assumptions of who they are and how they will influence what you're trying to do. It's not about what we're making, it's about them. This film isn't about being a documentary, it's about the experiences. It's about me as much as it is about each collaborator we spoke to. And the projects we're trying to do in the steering group as well, it's about people we speak to and people we reach rather than the statistics. And I think there is an over such a hyper focus on statistics that we start to forget that each number is a person and each mm. person needs a specific amount of care. It's it's that simple. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's when you say that, it, it does sound very simple, but I, I know, um, we know um, that there's there's been many barriers in, in the past and uh, probably many more ahead, but it sounds like you and uh, your your colleagues and I do at Mind etc are doing some incredible work. Uh, before we kind of wrap things up, is there anything 
that you'd like to draw the attention of our, our listeners to? Anything in particular that's coming up or you, you think is a great resource that they should access? Um, I will shamelessly plug hashtag Black Boy Joy Gone Realize, which is the next stage of our uh, my film um, documentary with Ashley Carell, our film documentary, um, yeah, which is about bringing artists together to kind of talk about the film. And we'll be having more screenings of the film as well. Um, and I hope, you know, just to get this across as many people as possible because the film is made to capture everyone as they are and not just focus on the lived experience or the traumatic aspect. And we're trying to redo that and, you know, kind of branch out even more uh, with the project, um, hashtag Black Boy Joy Gone Realize, which will be happening next year. We're trying to do a lot of different venues up and down the country. Uh, we've got um, a few dates in Leeds and um, uh, I believe it's Manchester. We're looking at London as well. Um, and we're trying to you know, just find more partners, more collaborators and really make this a conversation between not just black men, but their support system and people around them, because it's as much about us as it is about them, you know, equipping people around us with the right tools to support us and also being able to communicate with people around us on how to support us and how we can support them. Um, yeah, so that's the main thing I would want to highlight and yeah, that's all happening in yeah next year. Um, and if anyone needs to find out specific dates, um, my contact is out there. Um, my full name will ping up everything to do with the the film, or just you know search hashtag Black Boy Joy Gone, Isaac Ronell and Ashley Carell. Um, I'm on social media as well. Um, but that would be the main thing I want to I want to push because we really want to speak to as many people as possible and we really want to bring as many people together as possible. Amazing. And, and, I, and I hope you do. Please, please continue to do the, the amazing and inspiring work that you're doing. It's been a real pleasure talking you to you today for the Dope Black Dads podcast. Um, so go check Isaac out uh, and, and check out the film, check out the amazing work uh, that, that him and his colleagues are doing. Um, I'm leaving this episode incredibly inspired by um, what you've shared with us today. So thank you so much, Isaac. Uh, and for everyone else, we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you, Marcus. See you later. Bye. Dope Black Podcast. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.